Isaiah 6 and verse number 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Now, I just want to take a side note here, and I want to encourage you with this. That's still where the Lord is. He's still there. He's still on his throne. And there was a situation here. There was a change in leadership in the time here in Israel. Uh, uh, Uzziah, the king, died. And here Isaiah lifts up his eyes. He sees the Lord. No matter what happens in this world, the Lord's still on his throne. And we're going to see this evening here how Isaiah dealt with situations around him. And he sees high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. And with twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said this, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. In the post of the door moved uh, that voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, and having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from, the, from off the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sins purged. Also I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Here Isaiah is uh, confronted with the fact that he's seen the Lord. He saw the Lord and he saw him in his condition. And I believe this, many of us, we, uh, we have a vision problem. Would you agree with that? A vision problem. A, a form of nearsightedness. This, this, uh, this causes us just to see the things in front of us and we forget there's a lot of things happening all around us. We can get into our comfort zones and all we see is the life, the bubble that we live in and the situations that we deal with and we have a hard time realizing there's a whole lot more going on. Isaiah, I believe, is in the same situation here. He, he uh, a situation happens in his nation, in his country. The king dies, a transition is going to take place and in the midst of all of that, Isaiah, he gets his vision corrected. How many of you have ever been to an eye doctor? Right, they hook you up and read this, do this, move all these machines. I don't even know what happens. They move these machines. It all looks the same to me. And then they tell you you need glasses or you've got good vision or bad vision, whatever they tell you when they're all done, but they are there to help you see better. Help you see better. One of my kids, they went in and, and uh, got their eyes checked and, and one of them were perfectly fine. Another one went in and got their eyes checked and the doctor said, you need glasses. They couldn't see. You know, even within the same family, sometimes we need to see things better. Sometimes within the same church, we need to see things better. Here Isaiah is at a place where his vision problem of what he was seeing, the Lord fixed it. Isn't it a wonderful thing when God fixed our vision problem? 
You know, this morning, I appreciate the encouragement by many this morning and and, uh, uh, message this morning was just simply to help us fix what we need fixed. I believe we ought to come to the house of God and, and if we can continually come and nothing ever gets fixed, there's something wrong. The reason why, none of us are perfect. None of us have arrived. None of us come to where it's just gathering knowledge that I already know and I leave just saying I agree with everything that's said. I already knew that most of the time, if not much of the time, we come to the house of God. It ought to be a time where we're challenged that we see ourselves differently or we we see God differently and, and we do something about it. I believe this, we need to expand our vision of how we see the world. This is the final Sunday of October and this this month we have set aside for Missions Emphasis Month and church, I hope through the missionaries that we've had in and the messages that you've heard, I hope your vision has been challenged. I pray it's been corrected some. I have been this, this month and, and uh, just, just recently, I, I am I'm hearing more and more of churches that are closing down around our country. And, and church, that bothers me. I mean, to the place where it's, I've woken up in the middle of the night and it's, it's broken my heart. And I've said, God, let's do something about this. There's a church in Bowling Green or, or, or where's that at? Bradner, Bradner. There's a church in Bradner that is is at a place where they 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 are small now and they can't afford to bring a pastor in and and uh, they're going to have to make a decision. What are they going to do? I've been talking with one of our men in the church here and and he's been helping me find churches that need preachers and and uh, uh, I, I've said this to our men: we need to do something about this. I don't think it's enough that we just talk about churches that are closing down and we just say, boy, this is a, a bad, bad situation. I think that we ought to do something about it. Let's not let churches close down in America any longer. And get through talking with that church there, we have said this, we're going to take our, our services. We've got these cameras and someone had donated so we can update our cameras even. And we're going to take our cameras and we can live stream our service right into their church so they can have a preacher every single time their doors are open. So they can then grow and they can build that church back up so they can afford to call a pastor. Church, we can't just let churches die. Well, my eyes have been opened up as we've done these outreach activities, and I know some of you as well, to the needs that are taking place right here in Toledo. I've driven, I've, I've, I've just gone out for a drive and I've found myself driving all through uh, different areas of Toledo and finding the same thing. There's churches that are sitting on corners that are no longer even being used any long, anymore. I heard of two other churches uh, that right now in Toledo area, they are at the place where they're ready to disband because they don't have enough people any longer. But I see these places and I see uh, Reformers Unanimous uh, Ministries on Friday nights in there helping those that are addicted. I see opportunities for us to get into these uh, neighborhoods and, 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 and go soul winning and, and give the gospel. I could see us making a difference, but the truth is for a period of time, I kind of got stale. I knew, I knew churches were closing their doors. I knew that was happening around our community. I knew it was happening in our country. But the problem is this, I got nearsighted. I started just dealing with the things that were right here in front of me, forgetting that there was a lot of things happening all over. 
And the Lord has used uh, an accident with a lady on a, on, a, on a street corner of a church that we're working at to just open my eyes up to realize there is a great need. I think that's where Isaiah was at. He's at a place in his life here in chapter number six where it took the death of the king. It took a, a change in their country. It took a change in their nation to open his eyes up to see that there is a great need. And first, I want you to see this. There it takes a heart, their heart for the world. It begins with a look inward. If we're going to do something, if we're going to be a part of, 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 of changing the status quo, if we're going to be a part of what God wants to happen in our community around this world, it's going to take us looking inward like Isaiah here. Isaiah, he, he looks, uh, I'm sorry, first he looks upward. He saw the Lord. In verse number one, he sees the, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon his throne. He takes a look upward who God is. Just like I preached this morning, you know, I think the problem is for many of us, we've just gotten so stale in our life that we can even rob God of what is due his and we don't even realize it. As I said this morning, when the question was asked, will a man rob God? They, the response was this, how are we robbing God? They've gotten so stuck and so nearsighted that they didn't even realize they were doing wrong any longer. Oh, to God, that he'd wake us up, that he'd send a revival. I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would convict us and we would see and have a proper view of who God is. In Isaiah chapter 6, the prophet, he confronts a personal ministry, a personal crisis here in his life. The king has died. This king that ruled for more than 50 years, this is one that Isaiah knew, this is one that Isaiah had prophesied under. He finds in his, uh, this time that the king is dead. Now what do we do? You know, in our, in our world, things are changing all around us. Boy, we got so many people worried about next week. So many people fretting about next week. And I want to encourage you, God's still going to be on his throne. Let's not lose sight. The reality is this, we read the book, it's going to happen, the world's going to get worse, there's going to be a great falling away, there's going to be, as in the days of Noah, th uh, sin is going to increase, things are going to get bad, everything we see is setting up for that one world government, that one world religion, it's setting up for the Antichrist, and when that happens, the Bible tells us to look up, because our redemption draweth nigh. Don't get discouraged. Here a great change was about ready to take place in Isaiah's nation. And instead of Isaiah getting ner uh, nervous, instead of Isaiah getting upset, instead of him getting worried, we find Isaiah looking up. And when he looked up, he saw the Lord. I want to encourage you, saints of God, look up this evening and see God. See him on his throne. In the face of a world in transition, Isaiah looked upward. You know what he finds? That God is unchanging. Israel's in a transition, but God is still sitting upon his throne. You know, America is in a transition, but God is still sitting on his throne. This world is in a transition, but God is still sitting upon his throne. Nothing has changed about God since Isaiah chapter number 6. He's still on his throne. 
You know what Isaiah saw? He saw God's holiness. In verse number three, the Bible says this, and one cried unto another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The seraphims, as they were, they were uh, singing holy and crying holy, 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 we find them hiding their faces. We find them hiding their feet. We find the holiness of God. They see God for who he truly is. Well, we've got so many nicknames for God. We've got so many things that we say about God. The reality is this, God is a holy God. And we as Christians, we need to see him as a holy God. As Isaiah did. We see God's glory is revealed here in, in verse number three. The Bible says, the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. We see God's holiness. We see God's glory. You know, we also see here God's power. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried and the house was filled with smoke. We see the, the power of God. You know, Christian, I believe this. If we're going to see revival take place again, we've got to see God in his holiness. God is a holy God. God is a just God. God is a God that cannot allow sin in his presence. God doesn't just wink at sin. God's not pleased with your sin. God wants you to come clean of your sin. God desires for his people to live a, a life that is pleasing to him. Why? Because he is a holy God. He is due our glory. And he is an awesome God. He's a powerful God we see here in Isaiah. The doorpost shakes. The temple is full of smoke. This illustrates God's presence. This caused fear and this caused a reverence for God. I've told you this before and I'm reminded again this evening. Boy, there were times I remember as a young boy, I remember one specific experience as a young boy where everyone, it just seemed like God did something in the midst and families were at that altar and in church. The truth is this, I long, I long again to see God move. How long has it been since you've seen God move in your life? How long has it been since you've had a, a holy reverence, a, a holy uh, a fear or reverence toward God that caused you to change your life the way that you're living? I pray that God does in our church, just as he did here in Isaiah chapter number six, I pray he shakes things up. I pray he causes us to change the way we're living. I pray that he causes us to see him for who he truly is and that we would respond and see him as a holy God, a God that deserves our glory, a God that deserves our praise, a God that deserves our reverence. As Isaiah shows us in verse four. Isaiah's experience reminds us that in order for us to have a passion to see this world reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we, have a, we need to have a proper view of who God is. You know, if we go into this world without vision of God at the foundation, we can get so overwhelmed with needs we can become discouraged by what we see around us. And it can cause us to revert to apathy. You know, if we look at the things that are around this world, it can cause one to say, you know what, it's just too hard. My wife and I, we 
were downtown at an event on Friday evening, and it was rather late when we were finished, and we pulled up at a gas station that was right downtown there, and, and uh, uh, we saw people that were homeless, and, and uh, one of the guys walked up to the car, and my wife said, quick, 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 lock the door. I said, you might just need directions. The reality is this, we could look and say, boy, the world we live in, it just seems like there's so much heartache, there's so much hurt, there's so much poverty, there's so much destruction, there's so much greed, there's so much sin. And we as Christians can look at that, and because it's so large and so overwhelming, our, our reaction then is to say, and there's nothing I can do about it. But I believe this, Christian, if we get a proper view of who God is and and we see God for who he truly is, his holiness, his power, his awesomeness, and we keep our eyes upon him, we can do something about the condition this world is in. I don't believe that God would give us a command that we cannot fulfill. I don't believe that God would say to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature and command us to do so if it was something we couldn't do. The reality is this, it's not something that we can do in our own strength. It's not something that we can do in our own power. And if we think that we're going to do it on our own, it can't happen. But it can happen if we rely on the power of God. It can happen if we rely upon the strength of God. It can happen if we keep the proper focus of God in view. We come before God. We need to see him once again. Maybe there's some in this room, they need to worship him once again. Maybe, maybe some, someone in this room this evening, you need to see God for who he truly is once again. Maybe from the time that you got saved, when you first got saved, there was passion, there was zeal, there was desire to, to serve him. There was a desire to tell others about him. But life has just gotten so difficult. Life has just gotten so busy that you now find yourself without that view of God like you used to. Pray, God, shake us up, revive us again. You see, a proper encounter with an awesome God, as Isaiah sees here, it keeps our view of the world in perspective. I told you this morning I ran into deep at the Shell gas station. I thought about deep several times today. Deep, who's been in America for three months, doesn't know who Jesus is. I've thought it's a couple-hour drive to get back to where Deep is, but I thought, isn't it worth a couple-hour drive to go make sure that Deep has an understanding of who Jesus is? Isn't it worth trying to find him again? The person that was with me yesterday, I said again, I, we saw each other in church this morning, and I said to him this morning, I said, you know, uh, that fellow we saw yesterday, if he doesn't know Jesus Christ, he's going to die and spend eternity in hell. That thought, that thought just causes me to lose sleep. He said this to me, he said, you know, Pastor, it, it, uh, it's, it, it helped me understand, it helped me to realize I appreciated just hearing your witness to this man because it caused me to realize that I've just gotten apathetic in my witness. But church, I want to remind you that hell is real. 
can't think, I can't fathom the thought of somebody not, not uh, going there and never ever being able to, to leave that place, never ever be able to, an opportunity to, to trust Christ again, never an opportunity to be redeemed back to God. There's nothing we can do once a person goes out into eternity, but we can do something on this side of eternity. I believe this, a proper view of God will give us a proper vision of what we're supposed to do. If we're going to have sustained big picture vision, our starting point must be looking upward and seeing God for who he truly is. Revelation 15, 3 and 4, it says this, and they sing the song of Moses, a servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of the saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. It's been said, we do not praise what we first do not prize. We do not commend what we do not ourselves cherish. God is most glorified in me when I am most satisfied in him. Let me say that again. God is most glorified in me when I am most satisfied in him. You know, I believe Isaiah here, he looks up and he finds that God is all he needs. And he realizes God is all he desires. And God can be glorified in him when he becomes satisfied in God. And why, Christian, would we try to find satisfaction in anything else? Why do we try to find satisfaction in relationships? Or why do we try to find satisfaction in money? Why do we try to find satisfaction in our careers? Why do we try to find satisfaction outside of God when true satisfaction only comes from God? Andrew Murray said this, the enthusiasm of the kingdom is missing. And that is because there is so little enthusiasm for the king. Think about that, the enthusiasm, the enthusiasm of the kingdom is missing. And that is because there is so little enthusiasm for the king. It's hard to get excited about heaven when we're not excited about the king of heaven. It's hard to get excited about heaven when we don't talk about the king. It's hard to get excited about a place we're going to spend eternity when we don't talk about the person of that place. But we need to tell the world who Jesus is. We need to tell the world who God is. We saw a video just a couple weeks ago, a documentary of India. And as I talked to Deep yesterday, I said to him, you probably have a lot of gods that you worship. And he says, oh, yes. He started naming some of the gods that he worships. And I said to him this, you know, I don't want you to just add Jesus to the list of other gods. I want you to add Jesus as the one and only. He said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. And he just looked at me with this blank stare, couldn't understand it. The enthusiasm of the kingdom is missing. That's because there's so little enthusiasm for the king. You see, in order for us to have the right burden for this world, it starts with having the right view of God. 
It starts with the right relationship with God. In order for us to have a worldview and missions, we must have the right view of who God is. In order for Isaiah to be effective in preaching, he needed to realize who God was. He saw this look upward. In verse number five, the Bible says this, Sin said I, woe is me. For I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, and which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sins purged. He said this, Woe is me. He had a right look upward, and then he also, the Bible shows us this, he had the right look inward. Confession of personal sin. You know, the right proper view of God ought to cause us to look inward and confess our sins and get right with God, become clean. The Bible still says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked way. You see, we want God's blessing, but we don't want to come clean with God. We want God's uh, hand upon us, but we want to sin. We want our homes blessed, but we also want to, 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 to have our sin as well. We want our churches blessed, but we want to be able to live in our sin. We, we want a, a right view of God, and by having the right view of God, we've got to look inward. And when Isaiah saw who God was, he then turned inward and said this, Woe is me! He'd say something like this, I'm doomed. I'm a sinner. I've been living a life of sin. I've been living a lie. I've been living a life not wholly acceptable before God. I've been living a life of sin. And listen to me, Christian, when we come to that place that we realize that we've been living in a life of sin, it's time to come clean. Oh, listen to me, we're looking at why, why won't the world experience a revival? I don't believe the world is ever going to experience a revival when the church lives in sin. The things that happen within church anymore is just, it's appalling to God. I told the men the other night, boy, I... I long for the day in a church when people that are coming to church, a guest comes in the church and every single person sees that guest coming in and they just surround that guest and say, we're glad you're here. Number one question we want to ask you, are you saved? If you're not, let us show you how to be saved. If you are, welcome to the fellowship and come on in and, 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 and let's encourage the saints. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing when you came to the house of God, others came around you with simply the fact to try to encourage you? To exhort you, to edify you, to lift you up. You come into the house of God a little weary, a little worn, a little dragging a little bit, and somebody comes over, a, a fellow saint comes over and takes you by the arm and lifts you up and encourages you and tells you something about God and tells you how great God is, tells you about his strength, tells you about his, his victory he can give to you, encourage you. Sometimes we... 
coming to the church, but we don't have time for that because we're sitting in our groups talking about what we don't like. Talking about who we don't like. You know, the sad thing is, sometimes God can be the least person talked about in his house. Oh, we like to talk about what sister so-and-so did or brother so-and-so did. Or can you believe what the preacher did this week? You see, I believe this. If we want to see this world reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we've got to come clean. We need to say, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me that's unclean. Woe is me. I'm doomed. Look at me, Lord. I see your presence. I see your holiness. I see your power. It's me. I'm unclean. Oh, we like to look at others and say they're unclean and they're unclean and they're wrong and they're wrong. Isaiah didn't look around and say, you know, all the world is wrong. What Isaiah said is, it's me. I'm wrong. Look inward. Isaiah. Realize he's been living in darkness. Several weeks ago, I preached in West Virginia in coal country. I think a lot of Christians, they get in like coal country, they get into these coal mines in their white suits, and they, they, they fail to look at their themselves, they're dirty. They remember they put on that white suit, but they're living in, in, in sin. They're living in a lifestyle, and their suit's gotten real dirty, and they like to look at what everyone else's dirt is. They like to look at how everyone else is living, but they fail to realize they're dirty themselves. Conviction goes right to the core of what Isaiah is being here. He says this, my lips, I'm a man of unclean lips. Here was Isaiah up to this place. He was preaching and prophesying. He was using his mouth to tell everyone else that they're a bunch of sinners. He was prophesying, telling them to get right with God. Brother Jim, it was him saying, you know what? You're a sinner. Get right with God. Brother Ken, you're a sinner. Get right with God. It was his lips that he was using. Get right with God, you wicked sinner. And you know what he realized when he got the right view of God? It was him that needed to get right with God. It was him that needed to confess. He realized his inadequacy before God. And he says this, I'm a man of unclean lips. Do you know what Isaiah's vision reminds us that God has not changed. He is still holy and we are still sinners. I need to be finished here. I want you to see lastly in verse number 8, the Bible says, and Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. Isaiah hears, he overhears God's call. We don't find where Isaiah here is singled out. He overhears God's call. God is just simply saying, who will go? That was a call that anyone could surrender to. You know, church, I 
was in a conversation with another pastor just telling him my burden for these churches that are closing down and an opportunity that we have maybe to, to, to start sending our preaching services into a couple different churches in our area so they could grow again and, and have someone to preach and, and have somebody to uh, 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 come in and pastor their churches. And he said this, he said, you know what the problem there is this, our Bible colleges aren't growing like they used to. He said, the problem is there's not, there's not enough pastors any longer. I said, there's got to be pastors. He said this, how many preacher boys are studying for the ministry in your church? I said, not enough. Do you know the reality? God, God is still saying, who will go? Who can I send? He's still saying that with that voice, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Listen to me. There's still that call. There's still that desire of God. He's still looking for someone to go. He's still looking for some family that he can send. Listen to me. Missionaries are coming off the field faster than we can send them. There's not enough young men, not enough young women that say, I'll go, I want to surrender, I'll live my life. And I believe this, there's not enough parents that are saying, I'll send my children. Yes, it's going to be time at, at, at uh, Christmas time and, and holidays without our children. Yes, we might not be able to see our grandchildren, but I, I would submit to you this, it's worth going, it's worth sending, it's worth telling. God is still saying, whom can I send? Who's going to go? And he's still waiting for someone to answer. I believe this, we need to have a look inward. Lastly, we need to have a look outward. Church, if, the, if we let the Spirit of God bring us face to face with Him and convict and cleanse us of sin, I think then too we'll hear the beckoning of God like Isaiah did. The reality is this, more people need to respond. I envision our church going into a neighborhood where a church that once was, where there's just a building and a small group of people, I envision our church going into a neighborhood and knocking on doors and telling them of Jesus Christ. I envision that drug addict. I envision that drunk. I envision that prostitute. I envision those that we think that there's no chance. I just know, I just know the gospel of Jesus Christ can change them. I just know. I just know we can reach Toledo. I believe it. I know we can send more to get into prisons, in, in, in the men's prisons, in the ladies' prisons, and help those that are incarcerated to know Jesus Christ and, and know how to live. Listen to me, they're not getting the help any other way. The only help they need, the help that's going to help them is, the, is a relationship with Jesus Christ. I just know, I just know we can get into neighborhoods and, and help them with their addictions and help them with the, the grip of sin on their life and show them that they can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I just know it can happen. I know churches can be revived. If 
those of us would have a proper view of who God is. Have a proper inward look. It would give us a proper look outward. It would cause us to see that a world that needs Jesus Christ, there is hope. You see, Isaiah's vision, it helps us overcome nearsightedness or apathy. Have you ever been apathetic? If you can walk past someone that does not know Jesus Christ and it not bother you, I want to inform you tonight, you're apathetic. If the thought that hell is real and that men and women are going there every second of every day, of, of every week, of every month, of every year in this world, and it doesn't bother you, we are apathetic. I wish we'd put more concern into that than things that don't matter. I wish we'd care more about that than what color carpet is or what the lights look like or, or, or what the pulpit looks like. I wish we cared more about the fact that people are dying and going to hell without Jesus Christ. I wish that consumed us. And the reason why we're looking at things that don't matter is because we're not looking at the things that do matter. We need to have a right look outward. Isaiah's vision. In the face of God's glory, we find peace. In the face of God's holiness, we realize our sinful state. But in response to God's greatness, we can pray and say, God, send me. Send me, O oh God, deliver me from small prayers. You're Lord of the nations. The whole earth is full of your glory. Use my prayers to have an impact on this world. Wouldn't it be wonderful that that's our prayer? Send me, O oh God, deliver me from a puny self, self-absorbed priority list. Let me live freely and generously, giving of my material wealth to serve those in need. Send me, O oh God, deliver me from my addiction to security and self-preservation. I'm at your disposal to take the good news of forgiveness through Jesus Christ across the street and across this world.